This is the Kinetic Energy Podcast. with your other host, Makete Mina, and we are coming back after a little hiatus there, had a little bit of time away, um, but this episode will be called Mortality, for obvious reasons. We will be talking about everything that's going on today in society. We have, uh, <laughs> we have a lot to discuss. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on uh, with COVID and the riots it's it's really been a whirlwind 2020 is not pulling punches but um (laughs) we also have a guest on the line that'll be coming in uh shortly uh charlene mcneil we'll be introducing her in a bit um but yeah let's just get into it man uh how are you doing mikete it's been a minute uh better I think when it first started, there was such a whirlpool of emotion, yeah, like uh, mostly anger. Like I'd like to speak for almost every black person and say I think anger was the dominating, the dominating feeling. But I've had time to sit with um, certain opinions I have, observe everything that's going on, and I've sort of rationalized it to an extent. Obviously, not really. Uh, there's still so much going on that you just watch and, you know, your rage levels go back up. But on the whole, I think I'm just watching to see how everything transpires. There's a lot of unsureties now, and it doesn't help that the pandemic complicates matters and how everything is going to. So I think that next month or so is going to be very instructive in how things go from here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, it's definitely going to be telling, you know, what whatever comes next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to see a lot of reform, to be honest. I don't think uh, – I have very pessimistic views, and you know this, on, like, stopping racism as a whole. I just think that now we have to change the – the rules of the game to be fair changing the rules mm-hmm. always sounds like you're doing an unfair thing but in this case it's fixing the fixed rules that are in place but before we even get into that i felt like we could just in i mean we've discussed this the way we could just dive into this is just kind of talking about our experiences like because i know for me growing up in america and you coming from mm-hmm. kenya like going coming to america and living here for years I personally saw your experience in certain ways, and I know it, it was definitely different. So, if you, I'd, I'd yes. be interested to hear just how you, how you're feeling about this, watching it from Kenya, having been exposed to it briefly, you know, all that. It feels, I guess, the strangest part to me is I don't feel disconnected at all, and that should be the power of not only culture but just the power of humanity as a whole to bond you know my experience was coming in obviously i am black but um i guess if you want to get technical of african origin solely i did not think that should count as much i wasn't thinking about it at all to 
to to be quite frank, but I didn't think it should be the defining factor. <laughs> and that became clear as we went along. And I found it the strangest thing that my experience would be so different from someone who's African-American. I think the first thing that stuck out to me was that there seemed to be certain inbred uh, mannerisms, certain inbred reactions to situations that I did not have. Obviously, having grown up in a place where almost everyone around you is black uh, environment. So it took me a lot of time to develop that nuance. And I know you and I personally had a lot of experiences when you were out and about where you just look at me and sort of question how I was moving because I, I, I didn't have that nuance of knowing, hey, this is how I am perceived by my environment and by the people around me being black. Yeah, and like, like when you said that, when you were talking about like see like questioning how you're moving, like I, that makes mm-hmm. like I remember the time when we were in Atlantic City. You remember when we were out there with Dave and uh, <laughs> yeah, but we were out there and <laughs> no, basically in this experience, right? And we were at Atlantic City, mm-hmm. and there's a town uh, that borders Atlantic City. Um, I'm not gonna get it right. It's like Brigantine or something like that. Um, I'll look it up at the end of the podcast. I do actually think you're right. I think it is Brigantine. Brigantine. All right. So this town is very, is like, is very white. And my parents that grew up in AC always told me that I was real racist. So we're staying and we found the cheaper spot for Airbnb in Brigantine. So we just figured like, we'll go to the store uh, in Brigantine and grab some supplies, whatever. Uh, And when we're in there, you know, you were just kind of like, it's i hate even like breaking it down because i feel like i'm like hitting you with a ruler or something whenever i talk about this but it's like nah, it's it's okay we can i think these are important conversations we need to have uh i get what you mean i was i was very free yeah like you were very... you weren't doing anything mm-hmm. wrong you were just noticing the way because you were with because you were with your friend i didn't really know her but like you guys were like, mm-hmm. you know, chopping it up, having a good time, going like aisle to aisle, talking to each other from other aisles and just like drawing eyes and shit. And I'm just I'm just kind of like mm-hmm. and I'm just getting kind of nervous the whole time. And then we kind of get to the um, I remember we had all our stuff in one cart and we didn't really plan it out. Right. Because I'm just thinking like, oh, when we get up, when we get up there, like I'll just grab all my stuff out, put it in a basket and then like walk up to the self checkout myself. Uh but, like, your friend that was with us, she was like, all right, well, let's just pull the whole cart up. And, like, we'll all three just start pulling shit out the carts that's ours and swiping it on our own individual um, self-checkouts. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck, we're going to get in trouble. Because <laughs> it looks like it's just so much chaos with items just, like, flying around between three black people in a town that's totally white. I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> it's like, it's going to yeah. look like we're stealing. I was like, there's a guy that's sitting, that sits here literally looking for shit like this all day. Like, it doesn't matter if we are stealing. It definitely looks like we are. So I was like, it's, this is going to be bad. So that's the time I remember when I was, like, breaking it down. I was like, yo, you can't can't move like that, man. Like, yeah, even, like that. Yeah. I was like, you might have had it. You actually might have had it easy in Jersey to a point coming in there. Because uh, where we were in Jersey, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't a ton of, like, a ton of black people, it was a melting pot. It was pot. very diverse. Yeah, it was a melting yes. There were a ton of different people out there. And even the white mm-hmm. people that where we were in Teaneck, like the white people that were there were Jewish. They were all Jewish. So, like, they all, they mm-hmm. had their own, um, like, discrimination. So, it's like an understanding between. So, you didn't really, we didn't really get 
any type of like racism while we were there. Everything was chill. I don't know if you had different experiences, but I don't remember anything like racist happening while I was at Fairly uh, or, or just in the surrounding no. area. Uh, oh, okay. In order not to incriminate myself, I oh, will ignore shit. part of that question and say I did not experience any outward acts of racism. Let me say it that way. Outward. Oh, okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. All right. It was more um, with. It was more read between the lines, kind mm-hmm. like the just hidden under many layers of you can't really prove it. You have to tell the story to another person, but you know. Yeah. Sense not to get too deep into it because we're uh, not going to talk about it, and yes. I don't want to confuse people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I feel like it, that specific situation was more so an ignorance to 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 what could happen. Not necessarily like I didn't. I feel like racism didn't spark it, but the yes. the, the anger came from the situation that was created in a in a world where racism exists. Because it's like, it, you just made shit way more dangerous for me. And, and there was no reason for that. Uh, and, and that person just wasn't thinking. But, so yeah. That's a heavy one, yes. <laughs> what were your thoughts on but the no, whole to, Atlantic to, City to point, story? To your point uh, before, I think it even extended past Jersey when I moved to Maryland. And you visited me a couple of times in Maryland. You remember the area I was in, Lago, uh, in Upper Marlboro. It was, I'll say, predominantly black. Oh, okay. You know, you're talking about mall, you're talking about after fairly. Away. Yes. Okay. After. All right. From the time we did the trip, so by the time we were even doing the trip, when I go shopping, I've been used to mostly black people around me. You know, it it it, it and that's rare. Uh, yeah. I'll say. I remember Largo. But man. Maryland just happens to be one of those states. <laughs> yeah. So many black <laughs> people. Different. That was different. That was different. Different. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good different. It, it made you feel at home. Uh, but again, I digress. So I think a lot of those factors led to me feeling comfortable, which bringing us to the point uh, we are now, I, I see it's important to have these conversations because I don't see why I should have been that comfortable. 2017, there was a lot happening, dude. Actually, 2016 into 2017, that was absolutely the time to 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 heighten your senses, you know, to be a lot more aware. So I appreciated when you you put me on game and just told me, no, you got to move different because you never know, man. Could have yeah. saved my life. And and you yourself, like not even, like there's nothing wrong about your image, but I'm just saying you're also, um, you're also a six foot dark black man with dreads. That's like the recipe for come shoot me as a mm-hmm. black man. Yeah, it's it's like it's super sad to say that, but it yes, is. It's, it's and I can tell you, I know true. what you're talking about when you're saying like stuff was going on around that time because like because mm-hmm. I, I have another story about Atlantic City that um you guys weren't around for while we were out there. Remember, we were I don't know what we did the previous night, but we were wilding and I did something to my knee. I don't remember what I did, but I woke up with like a, a semi swollen knee. Right, so like. I decided to go. The this, king of injuries. This sounds, this is going to sound weird, but I woke up and I was like, we were like hungover and I decided to take a walk on the beach. I know I'm losing cred and all points available for that, but <laughs> I decided to take a walk on the beach. So I'm walking down the beach and I'm like, I started to realize my knee was like more messed up than I thought. It's like really swelling up on me because I'm walking on the sand and it's difficult. I'm like, all right, cool. I was like, all right, abort, abort. So I need to go 
to the sidewalk. So I go onto the sidewalk uh, and I'm walking back. But now, like, I'm in, like, the residential area. So, like, as I'm walking back slowly and I'm, like, pissed off that I can't get to where I want to go as fast, um, I kind of see, like, a uh, like a white dude on the other side of the street walking the same di- like walking the same direction with me. Um, but he's like behind me kind of like, and it kind of feels like he's trailing me and something just happened. Cause I was like already kind of scared. Uh, so this guy's walking up and he's wearing like, uh, this is funny, but he's wearing a, uh, a black hoodie or not funny, but ironic. He's wearing a black hoodie with the hood up and, and this is fucking morning. It's like a perfectly super sunny day and it's the morning. This guy's mm-hmm. wearing a black hoodie. He's got sunglasses on, which makes sense. Cause it's sun. I don't know. Maybe he's a vampire and that's why he had the hood up, but he had the hood up and he had sunglasses on. And he looked like he was, I don't know, about like 60 something or whatever. And he's walking behind me. I'm just getting kind of nervous. I'm just thinking, I'm just in my mind. I'm just thinking 100% like the, uh, uh, Trayvon Martin situation, just walking in a fucking white neighborhood and just doing nothing. And you're about to get killed. So I'm like, fuck this dude's got his hands like in his center of his hoodie or whatever. I'm like, what if he's got his fucking vigilante weapon in there and he's about to just take this out. So like, as I get my, as I get my fear to like maximum height, I'm like, fuck this, I'm out. Cause I see him like start moving faster toward me. Like, I think he just started jogging a little bit or something like that. But it, it just seemed, oh, no, 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 I remember what happened. He started crossing the street. That's what set me off. He started to cross the street over to my side, like in diagonal. So, like, he's still moving towards me as he's crossing the street. And then I was just like, in, in my mind, right when that happened, I was like, oh, he's coming for me. I was like, he's after me. Oh, and then yeah. I you tried. Like he was bearing down on you. Yeah, and I tried to start running, but I couldn't because of my my knee was all swollen. I kind of tripped a little bit or something, mm-hmm. and I didn't even want to look back. Like in my like, I'm telling you, this is literally the most scared that I've been in like years because I really thought some shit was about to happen. And I'm like, I, I didn't want to look back because I was like that sure that this is gonna happen. I was like, oh, he's. Mm-hmm. I was like, the next thing I'm gonna feel is a gunshot. I, that's that's where I was. It sounds crazy, mm-hmm. and and I know I. I know I sound like I'm over-exaggerating or I overreacted. I probably did, but, like, I was so sure that's, that that was going to happen. Like, you don't know how sure, like, I'm trying to tell you. I was, I, I really thought there was about to be a rap. Like, something was going to, like, I'm just, and that, the whole reason for mentioning is, like, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have to, to feel like that. Like, I shouldn't have to feel like that just walking down the fucking, just walking down a sidewalk to get back to my Airbnb yeah. that I paid for. You know, I shouldn't have to be that scared. And that's how it is all the time. Like you guys were, uh, I was talking to you guys the other day and I'm out on my balcony and, a, and there's cop cars that live in my neighborhood, but a, 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 a cop car rode by that's not normally in, that's not, that doesn't park in my neighborhood. So I doesn't know it doesn't belong to any of those cops. And I'm sitting on my balcony. He goes by, creeps by slow, does that speed up, slow down thing. Like when they're looking for somebody, and then he goes by, and then he comes back again, and then I'm like, fuck this, I'm out. And I go back on my, <laughs> saw me go back on my patio and start, like, putting shit together, get my license out just in case, because I don't, I don't know. I know that nobody else mm-hmm. on my row of, of uh, apartments is black, though. So I'm just being, I'm just <laughs> getting ready in case. That's so cautious. Yeah. Uh, it's trippy. You heard about the irrational fear, man. And I think that's, that's the key to the whole if you want to say the genesis of this whole wave that started a week and a half ago, about now, almost two weeks ago, everyone felt that when either they watched the video of of what transpired with George Floyd, also the pictures, and 
let me let me speak on my perspective from just you know being halfway across the world and not being there in that time what i saw was someone of my skin color and my mind doesn't at that point see it as oh someone of my skin's color it's easier than my brother my sister my mother my father my grandfather my grandmother i can't i can't explain it but it's like in a split second you just it's someone who is closely associated to you or who essentially is you who just experienced an insanely inhumane act and lost his life for that and if you've experienced a little bit of that irrational fear where however it happened whether you were taking a walk and you saw someone pursuing you and you know you were in an area where you you know it wasn't exactly safe for you or you've been pulled over by cops and the first thing you do is put your hands or in front of you where they can be seen because you know any other way it might go completely different whether you've had someone call the cops on you someone who knows you simply as a way to evade the situation but you feel that your life is in danger if you've experienced any of that then you looked at that video and said or looked at those pictures or read about the situation and said enough is enough and i don't think it's a coincidence you saw the energy that's come from all over the world man it's insane yeah it's really it's really angry like it's mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even want to go and <laughs> look before we go before we get crazy. Before we... <laughs> yeah, before we got to redact some. So before we get too crazy, let me let's just bring Shaw on. Let's just bring Shaw on. Uh, I got something that I'm gonna get into real quick. Uh, so the guest that we have, uh, I would say needs no introduction, but <laughs> she does because she has a ton of stuff that she does and. She's really amazing, and I kind of feel like we might have the most famous person we're going to have on this podcast right now. Because, <laughs> I mean, not, not famous at this time, but she's getting there. She's going to rule some shit. And I've been telling her this whole time, like, all I want is a city. That's it. Just a city. That's a lot. But not. But it's, when you rule the world, it's low. <laughs> all right. So. In her book. Oh, he, yeah. He just wants a box in the book. That's all. He just wants a couple lines in the autobiography. <laughs> That's it. So just to get into it a little bit, Shaw McNeil is a poet. She's an activist. She is a is the the founder of the uh, the Moore Foundation, which is a nonprofit dedicated to helping people from marginalized identities, and it helps them achieve their goals by any means necessary. That means we're riding for you until you get there. And she has just recently been nominated to join a board of directors in her city. Uh, alongside the mayor of that city with uh, three, under in, uh, three other individuals to try to better that city and, with their race relations. So I got to stop telling y'all stuff. She, she's going <laughs> off. She's going off, guys. So with, without further ado, this is Shopping Neal. Hi, thank you for the podcast. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at thank all. Thank you it's for blessing us with your presence. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> for blessing us, yeah. <laughs> so I know, know I, really, I really appreciate um, being on and being able to talk about this um, as an activist in Salt Lake City, and I've been doing this work for a while. Even when I was living back in Jersey, um, you know, it's 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 gone crazy. It's kind of crazy. It has gone crazy. 
and I know you were out there protesting with the best of them. I know you were out there when when fucking Green Arrow came out and tried to start yeah, shooting yeah, people yeah. with arrows. Oh, oh, goodness! Crazy man. Wait, wait, wait. So before before we get swallowed up in all this, because it's it's about to get heavy after this, I think let's give our listeners a context of um, how we all became friends. Because yeah. I think we're gonna make references and we're going to have to mention common, uh, common. Let me say commonly known terms. That will be easier to know the backstory on. Um, so I met Shar about eight, seven, eight years ago now. Uh, we met through Greek Life when I pledged my fraternity. Uh, I was doing a lot of visits to the surrounding schools. Let me say to support and my. Line sister at the time went to Ramapo, and given that I was closest to her, I'd go up to Ramapo a lot. Met her through, met her through her. The irony is that we didn't actually become friends until I found out she was transferring to FDU Fairly Dickinson, which was the school I was going to, and that just set off a whole wave of events that ended up with us becoming very close friends. Yeah, not gonna lie to you. I'm going to have to remember how Brandon became friends with you. Well, so Brandon and I became friends through anime. So there's, and then Mm. there's a Facebook group, Black Anime Nerds. Um, And I seen him pop up once. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's the homie. So, yeah. All right. So, now that we, you know, kind of talked on that a little bit i know that you said we we met through the anime but uh we we started talking after the anime and we started sharing poetry and stuff we got closer started just talking with with kete and you all the time so might as well record the shit so we uh we've been talking about racial discrimination and all the events that have been going on um so you know we're talking about uh uh brianna taylor ahmaud aubrey uh the fucking lady that decided to call the cops on that dude just because he was correcting her behavior that's nice uh we all and then of course george floyd who was the catalyst for you know the entire movement the the spark that lit the match you know um so uh what what have you what have you been feeling just like uh during everything that's been going on because i know it's just been a smorgasbord of emotions for me it's Every day. Yeah. Um, for me, it's been a lot of like pain and hurt um, and anger, uh, just being so angry um, all the time. Like every time you open up Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's something else. You find out about another thing that's happening, like another issue. Uh, some state said something like when Georgia was like, uh, the governor of Georgia was like, I see no problem with that video. Everything was fine. And it's like, we're already upset, bro. Like, like you, you couldn't you just be silent. Me. Jesus. Like, you can't just shut up. Read the room. Just read the room, man. So it's like, so those things, and then being in a very white state, living in Salt Lake City, um, being at a, a very white job, um, you know, the ignorance that comes with those things. So it's like, if it's not on social media, it's at work. Um, so just being in that balance or trying to balance it out rather. Sure. How have you handled it? Um, or how has it, 
I guess, been transpiring with your networks? I know within Greek life, we know a lot of the same people. And a lot of the people we either know or are in our own organizations, obviously are not black, but, you know, we are bonded with, obviously, the... I don't see the understanding, that kind of makes it trivial, but we're all under the same umbrella. You know, we all understand that the struggle one people are going through is the same struggle another people are going through, especially if uh, we want to classify ourselves as minorities. I just wanted to know if you've been seeing that unilateral support from all your networks or if you've been seeing a discrepancy and how it's come about. Yeah, um, I don't think that... So the discrepancy isn't huge. It's more of a lot of my white friends that I grew up with or that I've met in all over different uh, education and uh, stuff that I've been a part of throughout my 28 years has been like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that this was so bad. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? Like I've been black all my life, right? And like, this has been an issue all my life. Um, if we think back to police brutality and not, this is not even the start of it. This is the start of it in my history. I was born in 1992. That's Rodney King, the LA riots, right? So like my history starts with police brutality um, happening the year that I was born. So this has always been something that has affected me. I've had friends that have died from police brutality um, so people that were there when those people died are just like, was sad for me then when I'm like, my cousin was killed by the cops, but then now are like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. It's like, but it's been the worst thing ever. Like it's, this has been consistently the issue. Um, so yeah, it's just been like, a, it's an awakening from a lot of people, mostly white, um, awakening of like oh wow this is this is actually like worse than we thought was going on it's like so then what the hell did you think was going on like people have been dying this has been an issue like why is it now that you're just like wow this is crazy yeah this is i think that deserves emphasis because like this is something that is like you're saying this this has been a a problem for a minute because like i told you my, my dad was a cop for 21 years and he used to tell me like when i was like 10 12 he's like if the cop if the police uh in in delaware he's like if the police pull you over or they pick you up not pull you over because i was 12 but he's like if they just start pressing you for any reason he's like you just mention my name he's like try to get them he's like first comply get on the ground do whatever you gotta do he's like but but just tell them who i am as as quickly as you can he's like tell them that your dad's a police officer as quickly as you can and he's like even then he's like if they're not listening to that or anything he's like just get on the ground and don't do anything and even then like you just got to hope for the best and that was years ago like i remember there was one time i was uh i was nine right and we were in a in a uh we were just in like a 7-eleven or something and he let me go like to the back to grab something or something like that and i went somewhere and i found some, a candy bar i wanted and then i walked and i saw like a, a drink so i was like all right let me go get this drink and i was like oh but i have two hands and I want one to be free. So I put the candy bar in my pocket and I take, and I get the soda and I walk up. Cause I'm like, it's just in my pocket. I'm gonna take it out, pay for it. I'm not really thinking about it. And I get there, I put the thing on the counter. I'm sitting there like, mm. I'm like, Oh, and I take out the candy bar and then I put it on the counter and my dad looks at me and he gets like shocked. 
and he just and he just slaps the shit, he just slaps the hell out of me. But then he he starts talking about how like like you like I can get killed for that. And he's like I can get killed for that. Like I can get killed for less than that. And like even though what I did like in that in the context, it until I took it out of my pocket and put it on the counter, it was kind of stealing until that happened. But just what he was focusing on is like you can't assume that you have the luxury of innocence and you have the luxury uh, of uh, of doubt in this in this world. He's like, so you like you can't take those chances. You can't do stuff like that. You got to move a different way. And that like kind of bled into what me and Minkete were talking about earlier when I was like put like telling Minkete that about when he was in a store. I'm like, you can't. You got to move a different way. If you want to, yeah. if you want to be safe, like yes, I might be overreacting, but because that time nothing happened, right? And we and I, I could have probably bet, like, yo, we're, nothing probably will happen. You could probably do whatever you want, nothing will happen, right? But as black people, like, we can't, we can't do that. We like have to overreact every time because every time could be our last time. It really could be, and so we're always in this enhance fight or flight all the time at look i don't want to go too deep yeah it's 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 just insane (laughs) yeah um actually a poem that i wrote right before the murder of george floyd actually um it talks about that where part of the poem so the name of the poem is called um it's called playing and it's talking about um i'm praying for the parents of black children and how at some point, black uh, parents of black children, I'm not gonna just say black parents because there are some um, people that adopt black children. You still have to have this conversation, whether if you have two white parents, but you have a black child, you still need to have this discussion with them. And the part of the discussion is like, you have to explain to them that just because you see your culture on TV doesn't mean that they don't wanna see you in a body bag. And that parents of black kids have to, have this discussion of here's the tips and tools that you need in order to save your life, knowing that it still probably won't save their life. Right. So like, how do we, like when you, like your, your father, um, slapping the shit out of you, whether (laughs) that's the right response to that or not was thinking like, my son can die from this action because the other part of that, right. Is you reach behind your back to pull out a candy bar, but they don't know what it was. Right. So it's not only the thought of stealing, but did you have a weapon when there was a message on um, uh, a tweet that I seen that was like, when will my son go from being so cute to so threatening? When is that age that black boys turn into black men that are skilled. And when we look at the history of the criminal justice system, the youngest person to be executed was a black boy and he was 12 years old, right? So like, and he was trialed as a man and he was sent to an electric chair, right? So like, when is that moment of um, like black boys becoming more threatening um, in their life? Uh, and I think that we're seeing a lot of that now because when we look at the riots and the people that are being arrested um, off camera are white, but the ones being arrested on camera are, are people of color because they want to make examples. 
right? So it's this black people are doing this, this, and that. And it's like, no, 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 it ain't us. Everybody's doing that. Like they always want to say like black on black prime. Like, like I'm on, no, they always want to say, oh, they're killing each other. Like white people, like a white person has never killed a white person. Like an Indian person's never killed an Indian person. Like what, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Like everybody kills each other, man. Well, I mean, getting to the bones of it, I think that's what we're experiencing now. It's just happening so fast, and that's it's just one after another after another that it's a lot to absorb. But a lot of these myths, a lot of these false, like I say, false arguments are just being pushed aside. They're being knocked. I think for me, the worst, like the thing that just made me feel, and I remember, I think we were all on this exact same type of call, and I reacted to it. And it was the news that the NFL commissioner had come out and said, yo, guys, you know what? We were wrong. He didn't say Colin Kaepernick was right, but that's essentially the implication, right? We were wrong. We should have taken this seriously. What the hell does that do? You know, all it shows is that there was propaganda at hand. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, when there was all these accusations that Kaepernick was being blackballed. Oh, they were true. All these arguments are just being knocked, knocked out of the way, because it's just, it's impossible to deny the obvious. We want to talk about um, how many of these have been documented. Let's look at how many have been documented in music. I didn't even realize that um, Trayvon Martin happened about eight years ago now. That's when we were sophomores in college. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> this has been something that I've consistently experienced since I came into the country. Like mm -hmm. that realization completely floored me. Like, wow, this is something that's just been consistently happening. It's been, I don't want to say it's been getting worse because it's always been bad, but it's been ramping up in terms of the, the impunity too. Like to just murder someone on video and have the knowledge that you'll probably get away with it. Like yeah, it, it, it just got to its climax. You talked about Trayvon Martin having happening eight years ago, and George Zimmerman is still free. Still right? free. He's committed other crimes since then, right? Including DUIs um, and like having a weapon, and he's not supposed to. He tried to sue Trayvon Martin's family, mm -hmm. right? Um, because twice, I think. Wife, because he's hurt through this and because people are threatening him. On the Taylors, um, murderers are free. They just released three out of four of, um, of Floyd's uh, murderers. They released right? them? Three out of four. They made Bond, I think. Yeah. Oh, they, like, they released them in that way. Still, okay. They're out. They shouldn't have been, ha they shouldn't have had the opportunity to make bail, yeah. To make bail and like the amount of people who's who's been murdered by the hands of police um specifically specifically um who murderers are not locked up they're just at different precincts right so like what like mm. how do we how do we as citizens a demand justice but when if something happens in Salt Lake and then they go to Florida or and then they go to Texas and then they go to New York, like how do I continue to demand that without like following them? 
if that makes sense. Like, yeah. how do we how do we make sure that the whole country is holding these people responsible and it's not just a state and a city so that they can escape their um, due process? That's insane. That's, that's just insane in general, because, like, if I work at let's say I work at. Uh, I work at McDonald's, right? Let's say I work at McDonald's and I'm a store manager. I get caught stealing at McDonald's the store as a store manager in Delaware. Guess what? I can't do go to California and be the store manager at McDonald's in California because they they, 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 they they have a record. So our arguably most important job in America in America is the only job that doesn't work like that. Come on, bro. If I'm a politician and I do something crazy as like a governor, I don't even think, uh, or not even a governor. I just don't think that I would even be able to just go to another state and just, I might be losing a lot of stuff of how, you know, that works, but like, I can't just, uh, I'm basically what I'm saying is it's a, it seems like the only position where you can just move to another uh, another spot where they also do it and then just be it again, no matter how awful you were at your last job. Like, can I really go to from Walmart East to Walmart West? And they're like, hey, why are you coming from Walmart West? Oh, I murdered a motherfucker. Like, I murdered a dude. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Murder? That's it? All right, come on, come on. Like, what, what are you talking about, yo? How, how are we just letting that slide? And the thing is, uh, and I'm going I'm to I'm I'm digress in a second, but the thing is, like, the police, when we talk about this shit, like not being uh, a new thing, I'm sorry to break it to the people, but police in general, the police force in general was created to push down black people when they were created as slave catchers, specifically to terrorize black people when they were not catching slaves. So, and they, they, they morphed into the police force after that. So, you could say, oh, but they became the police force, and when they became the police force, their values changed. Guess who didn't change? The people that were in charge that were racist, and they maintained their ties with the Ku Klux Klan all the way to this day. And they're not gone. They're still there. Their their protégés are still there. Their descendants are still there. We need to scrap the whole thing and start it over. I'm sorry. I went off, but that's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was oof. Uh, wow, I don't even know where to jump in after that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's focus on the police. I think the police is a, is a, I guess, a good point to narrow it on. In terms of the origin, I will agree with you. Uh, it's 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 just bizarre that as, I guess, as a as an entity, the police literally just goes by its own rules. I don't think I've ever seen another civic entity that operates that way. Like I searched the definition of police and I see technically what comes up is it's a department, a department of government. Why is a department of government, for example, in a single city, getting close to a quarter of a billion as a yearly budget? But what are you all doing? With relation to police, I think we're having an overall readjustment of how the whole world sees the police. I think as black people, we've always had a, you know, you have this like, it doesn't matter how deep it is. And even in some of us who are lost, let me say some of those who don't see it or who haven't experienced it, you've had like just that feeling deep down. Like, you know, it just comes out a little bit like you don't even know where it comes from. It's just it's like a little voice that says, you know, 
fuck 12. Like, just, <laughs> just everyone has it. Everyone has it. I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. All I can say is I've never trusted police. And I know that's such a... For me, it's such a poignant statement to say because I have, like, uh, brothers in my uh, in my frat who are police. I have people I know who are part of the police or have joined the police. So I say it with a heavy statement, but I've just, I've never got the overwhelming feeling that I trust police ever, even without having stepped foot in America. Like, this is, that's just how I felt. So internationally, it's an issue that I can see it being brought to light and it's being realized that everywhere there just seems to be an issue with law enforcement and their jurisdiction. As black people, I think we've learned we can't wait for that to catch up with us. So how do we go about addressing the issue of police and how they, I suppose, police black people? Okay, I, I, see what I think you're one of the parts that makes that so difficult is the with the history and a lot of us being minorities that like people might feel like they don't have the power to change things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's something that it's just how it's done. It's tradition. What are we supposed to do if not this? And not recognizing the amount of power that each individual person holds with voting. We're not going to get into that today, but with the voting yeah, and uh, and and everything else, like there are movements to defund the police. So if mm-hmm. you go to, um, if you like just Google defund the police, you'll be able to see what like it actually means to defund the police and what are some of the ideas. For example, um, there was one uh, school district, I can't remember the city, forgive me, but that said, we're going to stop having them come into our K-12 schools. Black girls. It might be Minnesota. And I think it might be Minnesota. But, like, Black girls specifically are taken out of school more than anybody else. Like, K-12 through being taken out forcibly by police. Mm-hmm. Like, think of the girl in your in your... When you were in elementary school that had an attitude, right? I've seen it happen. Like, the cop pulled like, the chick out the of the classroom. Yeah. We've seen that. There was a YouTube video that went viral not too long ago of, like, the police throwing uh, a girl into a mm-hmm. death yeah. just to be able to take her out of the room. Mm-hmm. Like, that stuff body happens so often. And then um, y'all both know that I'm really big on um, prison abolishment and what's happening to Black people in the prison system. Um, and that's what starts the um, school-to-prison pipeline because they're, they got arrested. Right? Like, they have a record mm. now. That's When those insane. things happen. Like, it's not mm. just, oh, like, you got you got in trouble, go to the principal. You got, on your permanent record is you were arrested and forcibly removed from your classroom. Yeah, that's a setup. You just don't even need to have the police in in the, the, the school then. Yeah, that's 100% a good move. Getting so kids records? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so it's like, it's so Funding them and saying that we're not going to pay you to come and police our schools anymore gives those students a chance. I work at a university. I don't speak for that university at all, um, but I work for a university and we have our own police system. What does that mean for us now? Because I've had interactions where I had to step in between a cop that 
put his hand on his gun because they were, because um, there was a student had a hoodie on and his hands in his pocket. And he put his hand in his gun on his gun, saying like, "Let me see your hands." We ain't doing that here. It's it's he's seventeen with a vape pen that smells like THC. Like it's not that deep. So like being able to take that power away from people, being able to, uh, y'all said before, like it hasn't been proven that less police means less. Um, crime. That activity. means more crime. Yeah, it doesn't mean more crime. more crime. It actually is the opposite. The less police that are around, the less people are getting in trouble because they're heavily policing people. That's why there's so many people going into jail in the first place. Is that they're if you're gonna if you're gonna look for it, you're gonna find it. Yeah, they're targeting good people and they're fucking with them. They're making them angry. They're exposing them to criminals by locking them up and they make them th- and and you know what you do to somebody that's in that mind frame? Like when a when a when a black kid is growing up through uh e- economic disparity, growing up through just racism in general from almost every other fucking race on the planet, and ju- and they have to grow up with that and then they have you coming in while they're trying to do it the right way in a situation that begs you to do it the wrong way. I'm going to get calm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that like when we, when we think about how, um, what we do to try to avoid these types of situations. And again, going back to the poem that I was talking about and um, what the conversation your dad had with you, like, we try to do things in order to avoid being in these predicaments where we can be killed, right? Yeah. Um, but that doesn't save us. Uh, and I had posted a picture um, on my Instagram not too long ago that was a picture of me at a protest that says, am I next? And then the other picture is me when I graduated from Columbia University. And... Um, And the caption under it, well, the hashtag under it was Columbia Blue isn't bulletproof. When they see me, they don't see my accolades. They don't see that I, and this is going to sound like bragging. I'm not bragging. They're they're not going to see the three degrees, right? They're not going to see that I have a career. They're not going to see all the hard work that I've done for my community and for my country. They are going to see a black woman, a six foot thick black woman that um, can potentially be hostile. The way I, the way I talk, um, because Jersey is deep within my roots, it naturally comes off hostile to a lot of people. So that's what they're going to see. And when they see that, how they react, once, I, once they do something, like say if they do kill me, what would, they, what would they put? What would be their excuse? I haven't committed any crimes. Again, I'm an Ivy League grad. <laughs> Their excuse so is you scared them. They, they like vilify <laughs> people. Like when you look at George Floyd, they're trying to go through like, well, there was that one time that he had that issue. Yeah. Like, 10 years it's ago. crazy how they do that. Oh, my God. He stole a candy bar 10 years ago. He deserved to get 10 bullets put in him on the boulevard. Like what? What are you he, talking he about? Was a criminal. Like why would. But like when like they don't know who they're dealing with when they do these things. And then they have to like. They're worse than like Twitter people trying to search uh, celebrities shit, right? Yeah. Like they try to de- they try to go back as far as possible 
to be like, and that's why we killed them. And ignore everything else about the person. And it's like, but if that was to happen to me, you don't have that. I've never committed a crime, right? I, I did all the right things. I went to the right schools. But they don't see that no. when, when they do that at all. Like Dave Chappelle talked about one time where he got pulled over and he was talking about how he was, um, I think he was, he was in his hometown and he was saying that he was visibly nervous when the cop got to the window. He said the cop got offended that he was nervous and he was like, I know who you oh, are. He was like, this. yeah, he was like, I know who you are, Dave Chappelle. He's like, you don't need to be uh, nervous. But then he was like, well, you know, why'd you pull me over? If you know, he's like, why do I need to get my license and registration if you know who I am? But even besides that, um, he was saying that he shouldn't have, like the point of the story was he shouldn't have to be Dave Chappelle to survive that interaction. Mm. You shouldn't have to become Dave Chappelle to survive that interaction. You shouldn't, like the only black man in America who can probably be free to act as he, to, to, to just act with freedom on the level of a normal white person is Barack Obama. Probably the only one. And even then, he could still get to a place where they might not recognize him off rip, and it's going to be a problem. <laughs> the amount I don't of- know, bro. They they killed this man for wearing a tan suit. <laughs> that tan suit. Well, it'd be for a different reason. That'd be a different reason. That'd be personal feelings. But I mean, to survive the racial, the spark, the racial spark. It's still embedded in. If, if another president had done it of a different hue, he would not have been an issue. I can see that completely very freely it's a tan suit it's 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 how it's just it's grounded in that uh just lack of reason yeah you know it just it, 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 it there's no way to justify it they're gonna uh, let me switch gears real quick because like i mentioned at the very beginning of this that anger is just it's there and it'll just flare up yeah. and yeah. we can and we can focus, <laughs> and we have focused on how unjust and how unreasonable it is. But let's talk about what's come up in the meanwhile in ways we can go about picking right back up on the next episode exactly where we left off uh with Sha mcneil again if you want to follow her you can go and you can uh follow her on instagram under harmony underscore number four or follow her on facebook Sha mcneil c-h-a-m-c-n-e-i-l and if you want to find out more about her foundation that she has started you can check her out at doingmoretogether.org. And that's doing more with the more spelt M-O-O-R-E. And this is the Kinetic Energy Podcast signing out.